Okay. Uh, but tonight, this is really such a serious subject, and I believe even for the day and the hour that we live in, it's something that we need to hear, and that's about breaking the spirit of fear. Um, our nation right now, if you think about it, so many things and so many decisions and even directions that people make are fear-motivated. Um, years ago, I mean, and over the years I've watched people, I've watched people make financial decisions for the fear, especially with buying houses. I watch people make bad choices buying houses for the fear if they don't buy now, they'll never be able to buy. The market starts climbing, and, and so people don't make a wise decision, they make a fear decision. And then they get into something, then it doesn't work out or do whatever. That's just one example. But there's so many times that people make fear-based decisions instead of faith-based decisions. And uh, so we're not supposed to be led by fear, but tonight I hope I can take it in a little different direction and maybe shed some light on it because... Uh, as we're going to find out, fear is a spirit. It's not just a floating cloud that is nothing. Fear literally is a spirit, and it, and it comes from a spirit, and, uh, and, and it is a spiritual force uh, in the same way that faith is. So, Father, tonight we thank you. In these next few moments, Lord, you'll open the eyes of our understanding. It is our heart, our desire to know how to live and walk correctly before you to walk in the authority and the power and the truth of your word and father to not give any place to the enemy in any way shape form or fashion so holy spirit we ask for clarity of speech and for clarity of understanding tonight in jesus name everybody said amen, amen. if you have your bibles open up to luke chapter 4 first and i want you to see something i'm going to Lay some foundation here, and I want you to listen to me very clearly as we go through this. This is really an important time, and it's important that you hear it, and then that we can share that with other people in uh, how we approach things. Um, Luke chapter 4 and verse 40. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying. Somebody say, saying. saying. So I want you to see, these demons have a voice. Demonic spirits have a voice. And we need to think about it as if you're dealing with a person, not just a spirit. So I want you to keep this in mind. There's a reason I'm reading this as a foundation. Saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the God, the Son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak. Say, did not allow them to speak. That's going to become very important because when it comes to fear, we read a minute, I'm ahead of myself, but we'll hear it several times. But Paul said to Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear. So the spirit of fear. So spirits have a voice. Are you listening to me? Fear comes with a voice. It's not just floating out there. It's not just ambiguous. There's a voice that comes and, and penetrates our thought life. And so we hear those thoughts of fear. They're coming from the spirit realm. And you need to understand that. Jesus would not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ. Look at the cover of your outline. So here's my question. How serious is fear? Very serious. And I don't know if we even think about it seriously enough. Revelation chapter 21, look at verse 7 and 8. This is at the end of the book, 
And the word of the Lord is this. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the, turn your outline, the what? But the fearful, and the Greek word there means the cowardly, and unbelieving in the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burned with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Wait a minute. Fear? F- being fearful? Being motivated and caused to be timid and cowardly based upon fear? Interesting. 1 John 4, verses 17 through 19 says this, Love has been perfected among us, that we may have boldness in the day of what? Judgment. Because as He is, so are we in the world. As He is, speaking of Christ, so are we in the world. How many know Jesus is not fearful? As He is, so are we, or we're to be as He is in the earth, living by that same authority, same truth, same power. Look at there is no fear in love, but perfect love does what? Cast out fear. What? Because fear involves torment. Fear involves torment. And the word torment there, when we allow fear to enter into our heart and into our minds on any level, we're allowing ourselves to be tormented. We're allowing torment to enter. Fear comes with torment it's from the greek word kolesis that means penal infliction punishment or torment because he who fears has not been made perfect in love wow and we love him because he first loved us now how many could agree with me those are just a couple of sobering verses and just how we think and the bible says don't be conformed to this world be transformed by what the renewing of your mind. We, our whole world is motivated by fear. Every time there's something like this for the fear of something. In fact, I have a gentleman from the church. I, I, I had to go down home, came in this morning. Then I had to go back to the house and take care of some business affairs for my mother-in-law. And then I come back up. And when I get back up, I have a gentleman in the church that's meeting with me. And he had just heard about the shooting. And he'd want to know, what do we have for security? And uh, I just want you to know that I'm carrying a gun. And I'm always packing. And I'm ready. And I'll sit in the back and I'll watch anybody move wrong. I'll shoot him for you, whatever. <laughs> so, so anyway, I got, but, but see, when we do that, immediately when we hear of tragedy, too many times we're motivated by fear, and we like to rationalize. We, we love to rationalize fear. We love to rationalize, justify, and qualify our fear as being okay. But we need to understand we don't want to be motivated by fear. We want to be motivated by truth and by the Word of God. Look at the inside of your outline. From the beginning, Satan has used fear to manipulate and control God's people. Fear is the number one motivating factor that he uses to direct people away from God and from the blessing and provision of God. The number one tool that the enemy uses is fear. In the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, he used the fear of missing out. He said, look at that tree over there. You're missing out on everything that that tree can provide. So the subtle implication out of a fear, out of a conduct, I'm missing out on something, I'm afraid I'm going to lose out, I'm not going to be able to partake of something. 
it motivates that that's the underlying motivation to get them to eat from the wrong tree and now Adam self-aware because of his sin is now afraid of God and hiding in fear and his fear causes him to blame his wife for his problem a fear of how God will receive him a self-awareness in the con all motivated by fear but yet the term fear not is used repeatedly in the Word of God. If you look up to a study, it's an amazing study when you look at it. There's a vast difference, though, between the fear of the Lord and the spirit of fear which controls most people's lives. Most people, it's amazing when you listen to people talk how many times they say they're afraid. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that, I'm afraid that. Well, I'm afraid that this, I'm afraid that that. I mean, it's amazing how many times people say, I'm afraid. Are we doing okay? Just saying. So, but there's a vast difference between the fear of the Lord and the spirit of fear which controls most people's lives. The fear of the Lord is reverential respect for God, His nature, His character, His word, His holiness, and so much more. See, what happens, we hear something happening to somebody else, and immediately we get afraid that it's going to happen to us. So we start to take precautions, start to do a thing, and it's good to be wise. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about doing away with wisdom. I'm talking about being, not being wise. I'm just saying don't let fear be the motivator for the choices or the actions that you're taking. We're doing all right. There's a reason for that. Now put it in your outline. 2 Timothy 2, verses one, chapter 1, verse 7. Look at, for God has not given us what? God has not given us what? Now I want you to see that the spirit of Fear. So, so he didn't just say God has given us fear. He has not given us the spirit of fear. So I, the reason I read that first verse about spirit speaking, because if it is a spirit of fear, then fear, spirit, has a voice. And the word spirit there, as we're going to look in a minute, it, it actually means, and it refers to, it's the same word pneuma that we have for the Holy Spirit. For all spirit is the same Greek word pneuma in, in the Greek, but it refers to every kind of spirit, not just the Holy Spirit, but it also refers to demonic spirit. Are you with me? All right. So God has not given us a spirit of word. The Greek word for fear, though, used here. It is only used once in Timothy, and it's the word delia, and its meaning is timidity or fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity or fear, that we would be timid, cowardly, or the type of fear spoken of in Revelation 21 that we read, being fearful. So think about that. Mostly the word used for fear is the word phobio, which means to frighten or be afraid, from which we get all of our phobias. We have arachnophobia, um, er, uh, fear of the dark, fear of this, fear of that, fear of this. So So we have all the phobias. We name our fears. And people claim their fears. People say, I have, and then they name their phobia. I have agoraphobia whatever that going out and being around people is that is it agoraphobia what's it called agoraphobia is it really agoraphobia yeah it's a fear of people 
Going out in public. Yeah. Poor Eve's a counselor. She's got to deal with all the fears of people. Think about that. I have the fear of going out in public. Wow. Crazy. I have the fear of public speaking. Being in front. If I, if I get up. Look what If I look at. If I get up in front of people. So now. What, let me just put you like this. Now I'm allowing a spirit to speak through my life. That voice is coming from that fear. Let me back up and put you like that. When God created man in the beginning, was man created to fear? Were you created to worry? No. So when I am speaking fear, I'm not speaking out of the way I was created. We weren't created to carry fear, to be driven by fear. So something else, there has to be a motivation behind the voice of fear that's coming out of my mouth. Stay with me. Okay. So the word phobio comes from the root word of phobos, means to be put in fear, to alarm or exceeding fear. Look at Romans 8.15. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 2.15. Uh, 15, and then we'll read Romans 8, and then we'll read Hebrews 2. So I'll have you get there first so we can just jump there real quick. Put a finger in there, and uh, then we'll, we'll read Romans 8 here out of the outline. Look at this. Romans 8, verse 15. Look at Paul writing. For you have not received what? For you have not received what? So the same thing he said to Timothy, he's saying to the believers in Rome. Are you with me? He said, Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's saying here, for you have not received the spirit of fear, again, the, the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear. The spirit of bondage, important. The spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Hebrews 2 and verse 15 says, it says that Jesus came, uh, let's, we might as well go back up and read verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, speaking of Christ, likewise shared in the thing, that he through death might destroy him, speaking of the devil, who had the power of death, that is the devil, and to release. Somebody say release. Those who through the fear of, what? Death. Were all their lifetime subject to what? Bondage. So you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So fear and bondage go hand in hand. Are you with me? So people, well, I'm afraid. I don't want to die. So here's, here's bondage and fear going hand in hand. Restricting and constraining you by fear. So Jesus came to set us free from the fear of death. Amen? I set up at Pastor Dennis's last Sunday. It's a tragedy. Somebody came into a church and saw a bunch of people. But all you do for a believer when you kill a believer is give them a promotion. You, you, can't, you can't kill a believer. You cannot kill me. I have eternal life living on the inside of here. All you're doing is changing my address. Do you understand that? I'm alive. You and I were born of God. The life of God lives on the inside of us. So if you, if you, that's why Jesus said, don't fear him. Matthew, Matthew, Jesus said, don't fear him who can kill your body, who can destroy your body. 
fear the one who can not only destroy your body, but put your soul in hell. So have reverence for God. If you're going to be fearful of something or have respect for something, then have it for the one who has control over your body and your soul. So watch this. And now go back to your outline, because in the Amplified Bible, Romans 8 reads like this. For the spirit which you have now received. Now get this. For the spirit which you have now received, the spirit which you have now received, is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. Are you with me? So fear, I want you to get this clear picture. Fear is a bondage. And, and, and so I, I just was amazed because yesterday this thing just leaped on the inside of me. I started putting this together. And then this morning when I got up, the Holy Spirit just began really directing me in this area. And, and then these things are happening, but we're just thinking, here we have all this mass stuff going on, all this unexpected stuff happening, and people in the body of Christ is speaking the same voice of fear as the whole world. We are in the world, we are not of the world. And we are not supposed to be speaking with the voice of fear, we're supposed to be declaring truth, and we're supposed to be speaking with the voice of faith. Are you with me? So watch it. So, the Spirit... Is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. Hallelujah. So think about it. The spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. You see, we don't see fear as a spirit being allowed to work in our lives. That's not the way we look at fear, as a spirit being allowed to work in our life. If we saw it that way, we would not be as friendly with it as we are. We would not accommodate fear or make such a place for fear as we do. Think about it. Luke chapter 9, Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem and he passes through Samaria and while they're there, the people in Samaria would like him to stay and, and, and minister to him and stuff because he'd been there before, the woman at the well and all this stuff. And Luke chapter 9, here he is, he passed through the well so people know him and so they're open to hear from him. But yet his face is set towards Jerusalem and he's not going to be distracted. He's on point, he's on mission. And so everybody's upset with him because he's not paying any attention. They, they want some attention from whatever, and he's just passing through. I'm not being distracted. I'm moving on. And they get mad at him. The people are murmuring against him. And so James and John rise up and go, hey, you want us to call fire down from heaven and consume them? Now watch. So James and John say, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and consume them? That's what they say out of their mouth. Look at what Jesus says to them. And he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. You're not aware what voice is coming through you right now. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, That voice that is speaking through you right now, those words that are coming through you right now, you're not even aware of what spirit is speaking through your life. You and I are being driven by spirit, whether we want to be or not. This whole world is being spiritually influenced, whether it wants to be or not, or acknowledges that it is or not. 
It's either being driven by the spirit of the Antichrist or of the devil and, and uh, of the God of this world, or else of being driven by the Spirit of God. Man is either under the influence of the God of this world, or he's underneath the influence of the Spirit of God. Spirit is influence. Spirit is the influencer of humanity and the director of humanity. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 1, when we're saved, verse 13, we're translated out from under His power and we're brought into the kingdom of the Son of God. So we're no longer under His authority or under His power. Are you with me tonight? So important that we understand. So Jesus rebuked him, the disciples and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are. The Amplified says it like this, But he turned and rebuked and severely censored them. And he said, You do not know what sort of spirit you are. Wow. Or you're allowing something contrary to the Holy Spirit to work through your life. Amen. It doesn't mean that people are spirit-possessed. It just means, if I put you like this, that's why Paul says in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because alcohol, like spirit, is an influencer. How many of you have been to the restaurant and, and they have the wine list on there and on the outside little cover, that little book they have up there, if it's a nice restaurant, it'll say spirits on there. It's their book of spirits, so it lists all their beverages and, and, and alcoholic beverages, but that's called spirit because it is an influence. Spirit is an influencer. So Paul says, don't let your life be influenced by a counterfeit. Be filled, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's what's so happening here. When Paul's talking about, wait, we're, we're not brought again. We haven't been, been, been given a spirit a bondage that brings us back into fear that so influences our life that we're restricted and constrained into slavery to fear. That's not where we're supposed to live. Could you say amen? So watch this. The pneuma, the word pneuma there of spirit is here. It means a current of air, a breath, a breeze, by analogy, figuratively, a spirit, human, the rational soul, by implication, vital principle, mental disposition. Mental disposition. Interesting. Or in other words, superhuman, an angel, demon, or divine God. So when you talk about numer, you hear spirit, it has a lot of that. And many times in the spirit, be, be trained, in the spirit of your mind. The mental disposition of your mind. So the enemy comes, and when he controls your mind, when he uses the voice of fear, and it begins to control your mind, it affects your mental disposition. It makes it hard for us to believe God. So we are instructed to, the Bible tells us, give no place to the devil. It tells us to resist him. And it tells us that he goes about seeking whom he may devour. So what is that? So we think about that, but we don't think about it in terms of how he works, and so we think, okay, the devil's and we're resisting him, but actually he comes against us with spiritual influence, and the number one way he does that is through fear. So why are we told to do that? I believe this, because we think our words and thoughts are benign. We think our words and thoughts are benign. It don't mean anything. They're just words and thoughts. It doesn't mean anything. No, they're not. 
What do you think? They're harmless. No, they're not. So, I look up the definition, one definition of benign. It was interesting. It said this. A benign tumor is a mass of cells that lacks the ability to invade neighboring tissues and metastasize. These characteristics are required for a tumor to be defined as cancerous, and therefore benign tumors are non-cancerous. So we think our interaction with fear is benign. It's not going to spread, not going to go anywhere, it's not going to metastasize, it's not really going to affect my spiritual health and well-being if I just entertain fearful thoughts. It's just a benign mass of stupid thinking. But it's not. It's interesting, it says, although most benign tumors are not life-threatening, many types of benign tumors have the potential to become cancerous. And every fearful thought and word has the potential to become life-threatening. You have to see it that way. Malignant through a process known as, this was interesting, tumor progression. Tumor progression. Well, what about fear progression? We're just innocent, little jovial, jocularity thoughts of, and, and conversation about fear, doing different things. Oh, you know, and, and we play with it. But actually, it has progression to it. And I'm speaking more and more and more of it. And faith is hard to be heard through my voice. Are you with me? For this reason, the other possible negative health effect, some benign tumors are removed by surgery. So tonight, I'm trying to put you under the scalpel. Amen. We need to cut fear out of our life. So think about it. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Throughout the Word of God, over 22 different people personally were directed by God Himself in different locations, different times in history, and all were given the command from God, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Genesis 15:1. the Lord appears to Abraham. Abraham, fear not. I am, your re- I, I, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Abraham, fear not. So God calls Abraham out to go into the land and says, Abraham, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. To Joshua, he tells him, Joshua, fear not. To Gideon, he shows up in Gideon chapter, Judges chapter 6, said, Gideon, he's in there and says, hey, Gideon, fear not. And he raises him up to be a deliverer of Israel. So many times, even in leadership, and when God's called us to lead, and over that, we're all leaders in our home. We are all people of influence. Whether we recognize it or not, we have influence. And it's so important that, especially with our children and raising them up, we don't teach our children to be bound. Think about that. Who have all their life been brought into bondage. We don't think about a spirit of bondage. But when we speak with fear, and we're always speaking negative and fear, and we're so afraid of so much going to happen, we're putting our children and those we have influence into bondage. And that's not the will of of God. Can you hear me this evening? So think about it. Do not fear. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says this. Do not fear anything. For I am with you. Do not be what? Afraid. For I am your what? 
God, I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand, a hand of justice, a hand of power, a hand of victory, a hand of salvation. Somebody say amen. That is your God. And he says to us, do not fear anything. So we have to choose to receive the promise of the Lord today. Not to just think about it. Not to just banter about it. In fact, I'm amazing. People many times will defend their fear greater than they defend the Word of God. Not you guys. You're here on Tuesday night. You're committed to the Lord. Those other guys, uh, Sunday morning, morning glories. Hallelujah. So much happening in our world today, we need to hold fast to our confidence in the Lord. So much. And keep our lives anchored upon His Word. He will always be faithful to His Word and will always respond to your faith in Him. We have to be the just shall live by faith. We have the spirit of faith, not the spirit of fear. So how do we break free from the spirit of fear? First, refuse to speak it. Do not give voice to fear. Amen. Jesus said like this. Jesus says, take no thought by saying. You will never be able to not have the thought. There will always be, you heard me say it before, Brother Hood used to call it the devil's think bombs. He brings those thoughts against your life and those thoughts come in. But refuse to take the thought, give life to the thought with your words. Because words are creating power. And when I speak faith, I give life to fear. I mean, when I speak fear, I give fear Creative force in life in the earth. So don't take the thought by saying, by speaking it. Secondly, refuse to think it. That's why Paul said, think on these things. Don't think on fearful things. Think on anything lovely, just, pure, honest, of a good report. If there be any virtue, if they bring any prey. Fear is not mentioned in the things to think on. Are you doing all right? It's not mentioned in there. And then, secondly, refuse to listen to it. Don't listen to the thing that are going to build fear in your life. Very, very important. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Are you doing all right? Now, let me just put it like this. Nobody is exempt from this attack. Nobody is exempt from this attack. So watch this. Because faith and fear operate on the same, very same principles, we can combat fear with our faith. The way you combat faith and fear work in your life exactly the same. They are both spiritual forces. Faith is a spiritual force. Fear is a spiritual force. Faith is a spiritual force of God working in your life. Fear is a spiritual force of the devil working in your life. It's exactly what it is. 
God does not use fear in your life to motivate you. The fear of the Lord is a, a whole different respect than the fear, spirit of fear. Are you listening to me? The fear of God doesn't bring us into bondage. The fear of God brings us into liberty. You understand it? Two different things. It works two different ways. So I put this here because we can combat fear with our faith. This is where replacement theology really belongs. You replace your fear with your faith. Fear is to be replaced with faith. They both come by hearing. Both fear and faith come by hearing. Romans 10 verse 17 says this, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Or in other words, faith comes by hearing the message contained in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing the message contained in the Word of God. Tonight I'm praying that you'll get faith to conquer fear out of your life. The faith to put fear in its place. So they both come by hearing. Next, they both have a voice and speak with creative power, as I already said. Both faith and fear have a voice. And I'm either speaking by faith or I'm speaking by fear. Faith is how God works through our lives. Fear is how Satan works through our lives. Both faith and fear are spiritual forces. Fear operates by a controlling spirit. Faith operates by the Holy Spirit. Fear produces death. Faith produces life. Fear produces bondage. Faith produces freedom. Fear causes defeat. Faith causes victory. Amen? So important. See, fear keeps us from the love of God. And fear keeps us from sharing the love of God with others. We're talking about reaching out, reaching people. The number one people reason Christians don't witness to other people is because of fear. Fear. I'm afraid to witness people. So you just gave a demonic spirit authority over your life. I'm not making many friends tonight, but I don't really care. Hallelujah. So, but we don't, we don't attack fear the way we should. God has not given. It's so powerful that you hear this tonight. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Do you know how many people can't sleep because their mind is racing with fear at night? They're letting a spirit manipulate their thought life in their mind, and they're afraid about what this is going to happen. I'm afraid about this. I'm worried about and 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 fear and worry are 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 kissing cousins. They're related. All right, God bless you. So fear keeps us from the love of God and keeps us from sharing the love of God with others. Fear keeps me from pressing into God and it keeps me from sharing. Look at the last page of your outline. Fear has to be dealt with with the same veracity as sin in our lives. Why? Because fear is sin. It is. Romans 14, 23. But the man who has doubts, misgivings, and uneasy conscience about eating, and then eats, 
perhaps because of you, stands condemned before God because he is not true to his own convictions. He does not act from faith. It's a powerful verse. He does not act from faith. Whatever is done without a conviction of its... uh, Excuse me. For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. What a powerful verse. Or the Amplified explains that whatever is done without conviction of its approval by God is sinful. But fear has to be dealt with on the same level as sin. Now, I read this illustration recently, and so I put it in here. And it's the cancer of sin and fear. How important is it to declare the truth of the gospel in love, but without compromise? This was the illustration. Think of a person who is dying of cancer but has been afraid to seek help of the physician. Imagine his family and friends finally prevailing and scheduling an appointment and taking him to the doctor's office. But because of weakness, he must be helped out of the car and up the walkway, but suddenly collapses in front of the office and falls into some rose bushes that scratch and severely pierce his arms and hands and face. When the doctor sees him, he flies into a fury of healing activity, cleansing and treating his wounds, sending him home with the assurance that all is well, when all the time it is cancer that is killing him, not the rose bushes. And many times that's what happens. We're dealing with something that is a surface issue, and we're doing surface thing, but really there, there, there's a stronger thing working that is really working and causing death in our lives. See, millions have been pronounced healed who are still dying of cancer of sin. The good intentions and kind actions of the doctor did nothing to render aid to the true need in the man's life. See, doctors do amazing work and render aid and assistance to millions on a daily basis, yet sometimes they're faced with the unfortunate task of telling someone they are dying from an attack of disease in their body. Hear me tonight, church. That's all I'm saying. The body of Christ has always been, always will be. Humanity is under the attack of the spirit of fear. That is the enemy's number one ploy. We're under the attack of the spirit of fear. And if we don't deal with it in the right way. Now, it's never nice to tell somebody they're under attack. We don't like to. Look at Jesus. Jesus has to turn around and rebuke his You're not aware of what spirit you're allowing to operate through your life. And until we start seeing fear as a spirit, a demonic influence being allowed to operate in our life, that we're putting up with demonic forces, then we're going to play too nice with the devil. And the problem is the devil doesn't play nice. He comes to steal. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You cannot play tootsies, footsies, jacks with the devil. Amen. Think about it. So, they're dying from an attack of disease in their body. They must offer to them treatment by attacking the thing that is trying to kill them, which often means painful and aggressive treatment. 
where the patient actually has to feel worse before they get better. But without the treatment, there will be no cure. When I went to the doctor and they said, you have hepatitis C. And they said, we, we do have a treatment for it, but you're going to feel terrible. So you're going to inject yourself. With, you're going to take chemotherapy and you're going to shoot this junk into your body. Liquid radiation into your body, chemo into your body. And, and so you, you, you inject yourself. I would inject myself on Sunday night. So after pre, I chopped, gave myself the shot every Sunday night. So then Monday I was sick and Tuesday I was sick. And so then by the time I got to the weekend, I felt good enough to preach on Sundays. And then after you get, just as soon as you start feeling better, then you give yourself another injection. And then you go there after three months, they go and they do your blood work. And they go, hey, it's completely gone. Your count is zero. I mean, it's down. It's, you're, you're healed. I said, good. Can I quit stabbing myself and doing this? No, you have to go the full treat. You have to do it for the full six months. I go, but my blood can't down. No, but we want to make sure. That, look at, we want to make sure we completely eradicate this thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, what we want to do? Okay, I'm close enough. I'm good enough. And many times we do the same thing. It's a great medical analogy. We do that. We just get close enough. As soon as I think I'm good enough, I got under control. We don't want to go all the way to complete eradication. And we stop short of completely killing that thing and making sure it cannot come back. So now I go back and I still have a zero viral load level after all these years. So it's so important. Are you listening to me? So important that you do it right. But this is what happened. But without the treatment, there will be no cure. In the church, we're trying to treat the cancer of sin and fear with a band-aid and an aspirin gospel because we don't want to tell them they're dying in their sins and treat them with the aggressive, intrusive, and painful truth of God's Word. Sometimes God's Word cuts. It's a two-edged sword. It divides asunder and is the revealer of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And if the thoughts and the intents of our heart are rooted and grounded in fear, then we have to be radical in our approach of getting that out of our life. Could you agree? See, we don't mind treating the scratches, but we're allowing the cancer to win when we have the cure, which is the Word of God. So hear me tonight. True repentance and godly sorrow do not feel good at the moment. But without them, there is no cure for the sin and the fear that is killing us. Jesus said those who are sick were in need of him as a physician. And until we see that in our day, in our hour, we cannot allow ourselves to be sucked into the vacuum of fear that is going on around this church. We cannot. More than ever, this is the greatest hour and the greatest opportunity we have for revival. Amen. And if God's people stand up with the voice of faith and help people and let people know they don't have to be afraid. I loved it when I heard the report that the church in Texas was back having church a day. They refused to let that heinous act against them keep them from worshiping God. They gave no place to fear. Amen. So powerful what a testimony to our world amen and to our nation everybody makes fun of christian and christian we just weckle no they're back there worshiping god and well how could god let and they're worshiping god in spite of all the stupid accusations that come against god here are people refusing to be shut down by fear 
Amen? Powerful. So what do we do? Tonight, renounce any involvement and interaction with the spirit of fear. Refuse to allow a controlling spirit to work in your life. How? Draw on the life and freedom of the Holy Spirit. More than anything, that's where people miss it, with the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourself in the love of God. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues all the time. All the time. Pray in the Spirit as you go through today. Just pray over and over in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Listen to His voice. Let Him pray through you. So how do you do that? And you resist fear as a spirit. Think, always keep that in mind. I want you to hear that. Resist fear as a spirit. I pray that gets down in each and every one. When those things and those, that voice is coming, that is a voice of a spirit affecting my mental uh, attitude in that area. <coughs> and I don't want to allow my mind to be influenced by a demonic spirit, a controlling spirit of fear. Resist it, and he will flee. So how do you do that? Again, refuse to speak it, refuse to think it, and refuse to listen to it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Father, I thank you tonight. Come on, right now. Any area, just right where you're at. We don't have to come to an altar. We don't have to do anything. But just right where you're at right now. Just bow your head. And, and if there's any area, if fear, if this thing, and somewhere in there, but even at this, sometimes, how do I know? Because I get, you get all kind of twisted up on the inside where we hear things. And you just go, wait a minute, that's not God. God comes, and the Word of God comes to set me free. And He comes to bring truth and liberty in my life. Fear is such a bondage. Such a restriction, who all their life were subject to the bondage, were held in bondage to the fear of death. And death in all of its form, sickness and disease, anything, any way, all that stuff, the fear of death over our life. We're not supposed to be held in bondage. Jesus died to set us free.